second beautiful. Hello, this is Kelly. And this is Camille. And you are listening to Bold, Black, and Beautiful. Happy Black History Month! Woo! Yes, we are so excited to celebrate Black History Month with you all. And this year, it seems to take on a whole new meaning especially with the state of affairs of the world in our country with the pandemic and this past summer's and fall social justice movements. So with that being said, we are going to kick it off talking about, I'm pretty sure he's the most famous Black person of all time, (laughs) Martin Luther King Jr. So he's also our only Black or person of color who has a federal holiday named in his honor. So to get things started, we're going to talk about what MLK and MLK Day really means to us and how and if anything you did growing up to celebrate this day. Kelly, do you want to get us started? Yes, sure. Um, So as far as growing up goes, uh, we didn't do anything necessarily to celebrate this holiday other than having the day off of school. But as I got older, um, it became a lot more prevalent for me. So just spending the day, I want to in the future get, you know, my daughter to do some sort of like acts of service or things like that. But personally, I just spend it in reflection. (laughs) A lot of things that people do now seems to be to post things on social media and things like that. But um, I did read a book to my daughter. So that was the way we celebrated this year. And to me, the holiday just really means it's all about perseverance. It's all about really a celebration of a man who put his life on the line because he saw uh, he had a mission in order to change society deeply. So just showing that, you know, no matter who you are, no matter where you come from, you are able to overcome great obstacles and do great things and to affect society on a global level. And what always inspires me so much about the civil rights movement is just the pure heart, like the pain turned into pure heart and just joy and being of service and using your life to really like live the mission of uh, transforming hateful society. <laughs> um, so yeah, um, every single time you know, I watch a movie, read a book, hear a story about that, it's just like, it, it, it brings me back to thinking about that moment in which that person had to decide, you know, to overcome hate. And one of the most prevalent stories I've heard about MLK, and it came from practicing, well, no, not from practicing this Buddhism, but I heard it, you know, about Martin Luther King Jr. After hearing um, Daisaku Ikeda's, you know, thoughts on Martin Luther King Jr. is that um, a man basically spit in Martin Luther King Jr.'s face. And he, instead of, you know, (laughs) in that moment, any Black man would have been extremely upset (laughs) if somebody did that to them. You could, that's to throw hands, right? Uh, He wiped it off of his shirt and he handed it back to the man and said, this belongs to you. I don't want your hate. This belongs to you. That's not in my heart. So that always really, really stuck with me for the rest of my life after reading that quote, because it's just like, you know, other people may spew hate at you, but that is not something that you own. And that is not something that belongs to you. That belongs to them. And to me, that's what that means to like walk as a Buddha, you know, and to bow to Buddhahood. So yeah, that's a little bit about what, you know, the holiday means to me. 
What about wow, that's awesome, Callie. <laughs> mm, cool. So yeah, like growing up, we didn't really do much. And, you know, as a child, I really just took for granted that this was a day that, you know, was MLK Day. And that was just that. Like there was nothing, you know, much behind it other than it was a federal holiday. Everybody loved Martin Luther King. You know, that was pretty much it. But now as an adult and understanding our history and how this day came to be, this day really represents a call to action. So for individuals to stand up for human rights, to stand up for the dignity of every person, you know, who has had their human rights taken away or taken for granted, Mm -hmm. you know, a call to action that enough is enough and that we are all on this planet to be the best that we can be. And that doesn't mean tearing down our neighbor that means building up our community and standing up for what is right even when you are the only one standing you know so that peace and human life are the most precious commodities on this earth absolutely you know and with that being said i want to dig a little deeper into how this day came to be and so you know, that gets us into our MLK and Stevie Wonder section. And, you know, you may be wondering, what does Stevie Wonder have to do, you know, with MLK Day? So as we kick off Black History Month, we thought it was important to discuss the impact MLK has had not only on our lives and communities, but, you know, really dig into how this day came to be because there wasn't always an MLK Day. MLK Day was first celebrated in 1986. After it was passed to be a federal holiday in 1983 by Ronald Reagan, who was the president at the time, you know, and then that really leads us into the campaign that was waged to get this day to become a federal holiday. And from this campaign, we got the Black Birthday Song. (laughs) So, Kelly, did you know that Happy Birthday to You by Stevie Wonder was written for MLK to encourage the passing of the legislation? To have this day become a federal holiday? So I did not know that originally. I grew up in Motown, Detroit, Michigan, right? And I did not know this, you know, my entire life singing the happy birthday song. And it wasn't until you pointed out to me, Camille, that I did what most musicians would do in that moment. And I went and looked at the lyrics. (laughs) I was like, what? (laughs) So, you know, I'm going to play a little bit of it right now, if you don't mind. Yeah. You know it doesn't make much sense There ought to be a law against Anyone who takes offense At a day In your celebration Cause we all know in our minds That there ought to be a time That we can set aside Just to show how much we love you and i'm sure you would agree it couldn't fit more perfectly than to have a world party on the day you were meant to be or the day you came to be and he's talking about mlk so he says happy birthday to you (laughs) i was like oh my gosh I mean, Woo! we've heard the verses before, right? If we play the whole song, but I'm like, oh, okay. Yes, literally girl. didn't even pay attention. <laughs> didn't know. Not at all. Yeah, I mean, it's it's been some years that I've known that, but 
when I first found out that this song was written, and then I, of course, you know, looked into the lyrics and stuff, I was so blown. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. But yeah, but you know, I think a lot of people from our generation, so like 80s babies to present, you know, day people being born, don't realize how hard, you know, people really fought to have this day be a federal holiday. You know, and now we 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 just think, oh, everybody loves MLK. Like that's one person that everyone loves. But, you know, that's that's not always the case. And that wasn't always the case. I mean, after all, he was assassinated. So mm. you can't get assassinated if there aren't people out there who hate you. So, you know, or, and hate the cause that you're fighting for. So, you know, I have a really, really cool quote from one of MLK's daughters, Bernice King, you know, who said last year, so last January, January 2020, she said that she implored people to stop quoting her father while still supporting the systemic oppression he spent his life fighting. The Reverend may be known for his historic I have a dream speech, but he still protested, broke laws and was persecuted for his radical activism. Those aspects of his life have been whitewashed and diluted in favor of feel good quotes and equality. I remember that quote from last year, but like this year it just took on a whole new meaning because she she said this back in January 2020. So that was before, you know, everything that went down in 2020. That was before 2020 really got going. <laughs> so, you know, that that quote has even more significance now, you know, than it did when she originally uh gave it. So you know, I just think that we as a people have grown tired of the rose colored glasses around systemic oppression. So it's just like, no, it's time to take them off. <laughs> These conversations may be uncomfortable and they may, you know, be challenging and they may be ugly, but we need to look at the reality uh, of what this movement means. So, yeah. And like, you know, George Floyd wasn't the first black man that was killed by the police, let alone who said, I can't breathe. You know, yeah. we've been saying we couldn't breathe since we got onto this continent, you right. know? So I just, I really love how this stuff is really starting to stand out, you know, on a different level than it has in the past, but it's up to us to make sure it continues to stand out and that change actually starts to happen, you know, because mm-hmm. we don't want to just fall back into the cycle that we've been in for so long. We want to keep things moving mm-hmm. forward on this trajectory. Yeah. So also, you know, MLK was a major advocate for peace, for taking action, you know, and so that's something that is a big part of our Buddhist practice. And so another quote that I have here from um, Sensei Ikedo or President Ikedo, who's the third president of our Buddhist organization, he does daily quotes that he sends out. And on January 14th of this year, his quote read... Nichiren Daishonin states, when great evil occurs, great good follows. No matter what kind of difficulty you are facing, remember the Buddhist principle of changing poison into medicine. Start with powerful prayer. And that quote from Nichiren Daishonin comes from great evil and great good um, from the writings of Nichiren Daishonin volume one. And so that quote really, really spoke to me because it's like, you know, there's so much evil that's happening But we have to remember that, you know, when that happens, when so much evil is happening, that means we're on the precipice of change. But it's up to us to take it to that next level. And so 
I also really love our just saying in our Buddhist practice that changing poison into medicine. I love, love, love that concept because it just it can apply to like so many things and everything. And so, you know, Kelly, what does that quote really say to you? Well, going back to what, you know, that moment in which someone spit on him and he wiped it off and <laughs> said, this belongs to you. Right. You know, it's changing all that hatred and evil or changing anything like negative and really just going through the process and using it in order to create greater good. And that involves battling with, you know, both yourself and battling with others. So it really just, yeah, it represents human revolution, which is a concept, you know, that we use in this Buddhism too, to talk about the process of transforming ourselves um, and the process of bringing forth our Buddhahood. So it really is just talking about the revolution, the change, the deep guttural change that you go through (laughs) in order to create a good in a situation and to create a greater cause. So, you know, in those moments that you have to choose and in those moments that you have to decide, like you could, you know, choose the negative path or you could choose the higher path. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we're forever choosing the higher path. Absolutely. So with that being said, um, do you want to give us the next verse before we go into our next quote? Sure. Yeah, this one gets rhythmically tricky, but I'm going to try my best. (laughs) Well, it's better you than me. (laughs) You'd be great. (laughs) Uh, So it goes, this is the second verse. I just never understood how a man who died for good could not have a day that would be set aside for his recognition because it should Uh, Should never be Just because some cannot see The dream as clear as he That they should Make it become an illusion And we all know everything That he stood for time will bring For in peace our hearts will sing Thanks to Martin Luther King Happy birthday to ya Happy birthday to ya Happy birthday, happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Yeah. So that second, that second verse is gorgeous. I was just like, woo! Completely blown. <laughs> I mean, Stevie Wonder songs sometimes it's un- hard to understand his lyrics. So I can see how people wouldn't pick up on this right away. But like when you realize it, it's just like this total like epiphany moment. <laughs> and then there's a third verse too. Um, but you know, mm-hmm. I will leave it to the listeners. You know, if you like to listen <laughs> yes. <on your> own. <laughs> yes. And then there's the whole the whole happy. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a, you know, it really is a call to action. You saw the time is overdue. And then, you know, the end of it says, so let us all begin. We know love can win. Let it out. Don't hold it in. Sing it loud as you can. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Yes, 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 yes. So with that being said or saying, um, our last quote (laughs) that I want to share is from what is called daily encouragement. So again, another one of our Buddhist quotes, this one was sent out on January 18th of this year. And it reads, peace is the universal wish of humankind. But where is the key to peace to be found? The American peace scholar, 
Elise Bolding, once remarked to me that peace is not only about taking action in times of danger, it is also about assisting each other in daily life, and that the family and the local community are key starting points. Peace, in other words, is not some distant dream, but a reality that starts where we are right now. Elise always made a point of getting to know her neighbors, because when people know each other, they are more likely to help and assist each other. This is where peace begins. And, you know, that's again from from Sensei Ikeda, our third president of our Buddhist organization. And, you know, when I read this quote, I immediately thought of my grandfather because he was someone who everyone in his neighborhood knew. They all knew who Mr. Wood was, you know, and I always wondered why I was like, why is my grandfather always talking to these people? Like, you know, why is he doing this and that? If he saw trash in the street, he wouldn't just walk by and be like, well, I didn't put it there. He would pick it up and put it in the trash because he had so much pride in his community. He would he would pick things up and put it in the trash. And, you know, when you have an impact on people, when you see, you know, in their actions. And so another example of that with my grandfather was one time, you know, before he passed, he, this was like maybe years before he passed, but he was like sick or whatever. So he wasn't like having his broom and sweeping the streets and stuff. And there was trash in the street. And one of his neighbors was like, Oh no, what's going on? Mr. Wood is sick. Let me go pick up the trash. And she cleaned the street and picked up the trash because she knew that's what he would want to do. And that's when, you know, you have an impact on people. You know, so when I first heard that story, because it was when he passed and people were sharing stories about him, I was bawling. (laughs) And you know, it don't take much to make me cry. (laughs) So, you know, when I read this quote, I was like, wow, that's what he was doing. You know, he, he left that lasting impact. And from his very life, you could see how many lives he touched. It was so many, you know, and and you could see that at his funeral, all of these people who came, who shared stories about him, people who had long moved out of the community, but because his impact was so great, you know, they were there. What do you get from that quote? Same thing. I mean, I feel like you summed it up. It's just like the ability, the impact that you have, you know, through your own mission when you're here on this earth and how you want to leave it. And just like, you know, uh, another th- another saying that I've heard is that like when you're gone, people won't remember what you did. They'll remember how you, you treated them. <laughs> so I always try to value that as well. And just saying, and you know, of course, you know, someone like Martin Luther King did a lot of great things, but I don't think his impact would have been as far reaching if he wasn't a kind and compassionate man himself. So he really just walked it with his whole life in spirit and really embodied it. And I think that because of that, people were impressed by the things that he achieved and felt the courage to be able to do, do so themselves. It also um, makes me think of the, the, the saying, uh, think globally and act locally. Um, <laughs> so here it says, you know, in the quote, it's also about assisting each other in daily life and that the family and the local community are the key starting points, Right. You don't change the world by going out, waking up one day and say, I want to change the world, right? Or you could, that's where you get the inspiration. But where are you going to start? You're going to start with the people right next to you. 
So you can't aim to change the world if you're treating the people that you encounter every single day like like crap. <laughs> you know, that's not walking the mission and living living the best life. So I think that, you know, this Buddhism embodies that as well. It's really just like treating each and every person that you encounter, you know, bow with with absolute respect and bowing to their Buddhahood, even if they may treat you with disrespect. So going back to that experience in which the man spit on him, you know, he saw this man's life and he saw this man's Buddhahood. And just saying like in this moment with with people watching, I'm sure that he was in a crowd and there were people watching him, you know, but just like modeling what that means to still bow to someone and just to say, you know, I'm still going to treat you with kindness because my treating you with kindness is a part of my, my mission to act, act locally. I'm sorry, act locally and think globally because it's bigger than you. It's bigger than you and me in this moment. So I think that that's something that we should embody each, every, each and every time that we encounter someone, even just like nowadays as, you know, you're encountering, I'm sure everybody, every person of color is encountering, you know, um, angry white people who are just like, you know, either are blatantly racist or just in in awe of like the ways in which they have been exposed as having racist ideals and thoughts and things like that and want a dialogue. And sometimes that dialogue is not pretty, but in that dialogue, still having the ability to just bow to their Buddhahood while you just, you know, are able to have that dialogue. Or if you don't want to have that dialogue, just being like, you know, I really respect you <laughs> in this moment. But, you know, I, I personally cannot have this dialogue. But here are some resources, like, read. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, <laughs> like they're putting the onus on us to educate them. And like, no, you need to put the onus on yourself to educate yourself. <laughs> yes, that ain't my job. Like, what? <laughs> Right. Some people have the capacity to have that dialogue. I have had those dialogues in the past, but most of the time I end up just being like, read this book. (laughs) But yes, girl. So Mm. all of those things. Yeah. And in fact, I'm actually reading a book for a diversity institute that they're having at the community college where I teach. And of course, it's probably not right in front of me right now. Oh, yeah. Here it is. It says, so you want to talk about race. Um, and it's by, I'm sure I'm not going to say their name correctly, but Ijeoma Aluo. Um, I'll post it on our, our website. But, you know, I was like reading the title of the chapters and I was like, oh, this wasn't written for me. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> some of the, one of them that made me laugh really hard was, was why am I always being told to check my privilege. And I was like, I've never been told. Right. <laughs> and then when I got down to the the this title, I was like, oh yeah, this this wasn't written for my people. Um mm-hmm. <laughs> it's it's called the title of chapter eleven is Why Can't I Touch Your Hair? Wow. First of all, never have I ever tried to touch anyone else's hair. <laughs> and that made me think I was like, you know, growing up and stuff, I didn't realize the significance of people being like, oh, can I touch your hair? I want to touch your hair. Mm-hmm. And like how people would say, oh, you got good hair and all of this stuff. And so we talked oh, about this in a previous episode, but I was just like, what does that mean? What does it mean to have good hair? Like, is it behaving well? Like, mm-hmm. you know, why is that a thing? And so, you know, it's just always stood out because, you know, I guess I don't have the quote unquote typical black people hair but i'm like why is that a thing why does that matter you know Mm -hmm. so yeah Yeah. but like 
moments like that. It's okay. Be like, well, this book isn't for me, so I'm just going to put it down, but I will refer it to somebody. (laughs) Well, yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's good to read because it's like, okay, let me check out these things and you know, so you're this, able to refer it. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And as, and just being a part of that diversity institute, you know, I, I kind of have to read it for that meeting or whatever. But I think it's good because now I can share my perspective on things and my experience in these situations to help educate mm-hmm. others, you know. Absolutely. So unless you have anything else you want to share, we'll kind of wrap it up for today. Yeah, let's wrap it on up. All right. So This month, we have so many amazing things in store for you guys. So thank you. (laughs) Okay, Kelly. (laughs) Listen, I haven't done one in a while where I've sang anyway. (laughs) So thank you so much for tuning in. We truly hope you enjoyed this episode. And please be sure to send us questions for upcoming episodes by messaging us on social media or emailing us at outreach at bold, black, and beautiful.com. And also we are doing some amazing tributes on our social media pages with daily shout outs to some of the notable black Americans, many who were first in their fields or communities to do something or just first period, you know, to, to accomplish something. So I know we won't be able to capture everyone in 28 days, let alone 365. But please check this out. It's such an amazing way to like honor and recognize Black History Month. So check it out. Like, comment and share who stands out to you. So awesome. thank you so yeah. much, guys. Yes. And be sure to tune in next week for our next Black History Month featuring two amazing Black women who practice Buddhism and law in this country. So this is going to be an absolutely amazing episode and insight to being Buddhist and practicing law. So you definitely don't want to miss it. Feel free to send questions that you would like us to ask there as well. So Um, Camille shared our email and places that you can do that. So until next time, stay safe, be you, and live life to the fullest. Bold, black, and beautiful. A culture and society podcast brought to you by Kelly Sloan and Camille Lucas.